Welcome, everybody, to the third episode of the After the Buzzer podcast. I'm joined here with my co-host, LV Pagula. What's going on, LV? Nothing much. Nothing much. You? Oh, man, nothing much. How's your quarantine going? Uh, it's better. I mean, a lot of <laughs> nothing much, but just hanging out, you know? Yeah, I know what you mean. So yeah. today we have a couple of topics we want to talk about. First off, like usual, we want to talk about The Last Dance, episodes 7 and 8. Um, also, we want to talk about Shaq's thoughts on the season of, like, what, if he wants to continue it, blah, 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 you know. Um, defensive player of the year talk and also season in Vegas, Orlando. You guys get the deal. So, LV, what did you think about The Last Dance last night? So, first off, episode 7 and 8, I thought they were very interesting because they showed, like, a simple – pathetic and also a very competitive side of Michael Jordan because it was so emotional like I just think just overall the episodes were so impactful yeah so, like the plot basically of the whole Jordan documentary uh-huh. because it just showed that like when his father died that had such a big impact on his career yeah and when he returned I think that also had a big return on his or big impact on his return because his he didn't want to wear number 23 to start because of his dad not being yeah. there so but overall, there was a ton of observations um, during that. So what, what's your observation you, you saw? Oh, man, there was so much. I mean, it probably won't be in order, but yeah, the one I want to talk about the most is how Reggie um, Miller mm-hmm. um, talked about the vampire in Jordan. Oh, yeah, the vampire yeah, yeah. During yeah, the yeah, Space was... Jam movie, how mm-hmm. he would yeah. film for Space Jam until 7, till whatever they needed to do. Yeah, and he'd play think... pickup games for three hours after that. Until like yeah, ten o'clock. I, I saw a thing where they said he played or he was he was on like a twelve hour day and he only had like six hours of sleep or something like that. Like BJ uh-huh. Armstrong I think said like I don't even know how he's functioning because like he had practice, he had space jam, he just had so many different things going on. Yeah. Which is just crazy. Yeah, it's crazy how he would do all the space jam stuff like for the movie mm-hmm. and then he would call down a bunch of players and play pickup for like three hours every single day. I yeah, that's just, just crazy unbelievable to me. too. And I think he also played with like NBA guys like a couple Patrick of them. Ewing. Yeah, Patrick Ewing, yeah. He there were a couple of guys that I saw. Oh, there were so many of them. But like can you just imagine those games or even like the next day, like he's gotta be actually like sore or tired at least. Yeah. He's doing that he's doing that six days a week. 12 hour yeah. days basically so like he had to be like just beat up physically but oh yeah I mean, he's just like he's, he's just like a machine he just cranks whatever he has to crank out really and then i had something else that i thought that was interesting was teammates basically feared jordan on the court and in practice because oh yeah I mean, if you you just saw like how he treated not t- like treated but like he he didn't like you had to be on his level to be on that team like yeah. it didn't matter if you're the 15th guy um, the even the custodian somewhere like yeah is if if you're on that team you gotta be up to his level so like uh-huh. I thought it was interesting because a lot of guys like B J Armstrong said like he didn't know if he was a nice guy just yeah. because just because you're that competitive in the game and you want to win doesn't make you not a nice guy yeah so I I didn't really like that comment by him uh-huh. but what do you think about Jordan not being uh not being a nice guy but being feared on the court by his teammates um it just showed how much he wanted to win. Like, he yeah, wanted everyone exactly. to play their very best so they could win as many championships as possible while he was there. Yeah. But, like, one of the things that, like, stuck out to me was when Steve Kerr came around. Yep. And he stood up for himself. And Yeah, yeah. 
it just kind of like shocked Jordan that this little white dude that's like six two stood up to him and like didn't well, let him bash him I, around. I think that also like shaped Kerr's future too because I don't you never know like if he doesn't I mean you don't know what what'll happen but uh-huh. in hindsight if he doesn't stand up for him for himself you don't know even if he's like gonna be win all those championships with um the Bulls maybe even San Antonio be become the like the coach he is in Golden State you just don't know. Yeah, but also like a point I want to hit on is when he came back, Jordan to the Bulls in '94, uh, I think. Yeah, Bill Bill Wennington, who just got there the year Jordan retired, Jordan told him to like basically, um, I think he said like get on my cape or something, get on my yeah. back. So I thought that was super interesting because that just showed like even though Jordan took a quick break, like he was already committed back to just like winning because I don't he didn't care about any other self-accomplishments besides championships which was like no you're right that's the best mindset to have basically Uh basically. so that was definitely one of the biggest another guy i want to touch on in that was um what's his name scott boris or whatever his last name was Mm -hmm. he bullied him as like well they showed us he was there for like a year only yeah yeah scott burrell he was there jordan uh 97 and 98. Yeah. Jordan stacked like he was his little brother and was like bullying oh, him, yeah. trying to make him his very best while he was still on the Bulls, which was crazy to see. Yeah. I, in I, fact, I, Scott Boris, the guy you just said, he's an agent in baseball. Really? Yeah. That, that's pretty. He's actually like a big time agent. Like literally, he's, he has Bryce Harper. Um, he's a ton of big, big name guys. That's actually pretty but, cool. Anyway. Um, I thought this was one of the another very interesting thing was when uh, MJ laughed at um, Gary the video of Gary Payton on the iPad yeah. <laughs> where, where him saying like if I guarded MJ we would have been like more like if we guarded him more aggressively and I was on him we might have had a shot at winning oh yeah and when Jordan laughed at that I was just like he just had so much confidence and he displayed it too like <laughs> yeah it was just it's just so crazy to see that because Gary Payton's like kind of in a league of his own maybe with his defense because he, he's one of the best defenders in all of basketball. Ever. Oh, yeah. And then when Jordan laughed at him like that, it's just crazy to think about because not many other players would do that. So <laughs> yeah. that's definitely super interesting. Yeah. He just knew he was the best. He knows he's the oh, best. Oh, yeah. Well, even going back to the last week when uh Clyde Drexler, I know he mentioned it last week, but Clyde Drexler saying like I'm on MJ's level and Jordan basically took an insult to that. Yeah. Which is – so that's like almost two weeks in a row where he's like laughing at those guys. Yeah. And those are very good talents, but they're nowhere near MJ's. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's so crazy. Yeah, definitely. All right. Definitely. So main topic of this, well, one of the very main topics of this is Jordan going to baseball, mm-hmm. going to play for the White Sox, double A, try to make it to the mm-hmm. majors. What do you think about that? What do you think about him going so, to baseball? First off, Obviously, his father, um, I, we know he was murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, but his father, his originally, that's what he wanted Michael to play. He wanted yeah. him to play baseball. Uh-huh. And Michael's last conversation with his father, actually, was about retiring from basketball to become a baseball player. Yeah. So Jordan became a baseball player in, in, like, because of his father. And I think with him dying, pretty much, made him even more um, like vulnerable to become a baseball player. Yeah. But... And, like, I really do think, like, Terry Francona, who was the manager of that team, was now the manager of the Cleveland Indians. Uh-huh. I Like, he said, if Jordan got 1,500 at-bats, he would have been in the MLB. Yeah. So that just shows, like, you don't see any, really any other athletes, like, right now who could just leave 
in the prime of their career and go to another sport and be that successful. Now, he wasn't very successful, but he had a, like, Terry, or Fran- Terry Francona is a great manager, and if he saw that in him, like, a lot of people are going to believe that because Jordan's just that type. Like, he's so – he's such an athlete where I think he can just adapt to any sport, really. Yeah. I mean, he just has it in him. Like, he has that competitiveness and will- willingness to win. So Yeah, even the manager – I think he can just adapt to anything. Even the manager yeah. said when he was going to play, like, he would mm-hmm. bat before batting practice. Yeah. Then mm-hmm. he would bat at batting practice. Yeah. Then the game – then he would bat after – the game because he was just so mm-hmm. determined to get better and be better at baseball and make it to the majors one day. Like that just shows yeah. how dedicated he was to any sport he played. Like his mind and, on something, he was going to get there no matter what. And I do think that like, even though Jordan was pretty much mentally done with basketball at that time in 93, I think that most of it was because him and his dad were so close together, like that he went to baseball. So it was definitely like something to keep an eye on because they were just, like their relationship was like what an ideal father and son relationship was like. Like Jordan couldn't even bear to like play a basketball game without his father. I know there. that was just crazy to see. So that was just that was kind of sad to see though. Like you know, because I you wouldn't want your dad to go out yeah. like that. So it's just sad for them. But like he inspired him a ton because I think those I think Jordan came back because I think he thought it was like the right decision. Just because I know he left out and the whole thing happened with baseball where like the, I don't know, robots or something like that weird thing or whatever. But uh, I just think like with his dad being gone, I think he wanted him to like go back to basketball because that was his roots and he's accomplished so much there. And I just think like his dad would be so proud of him even with those other that other three Pete. So I think that was the right decision for. Yeah. 100%. What's your next observation? Um, When Jordan was gone from the Bulls, when Pippen just took himself out with the two seconds left, I think, around that. That was nuts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, it was 1.8. Because he was basically saying in his interview, like, I'm the best on the team. Why aren't you giving me the shot? So he felt like a lot of disrespect from Phil Jackson. And he just, like, he wanted to be the guy. Mm -hmm. Oh, well – I can't blame him though. Like, yeah. Once MJ left, like he was the main guy, but the, uh-huh. the like most important part about this is this is the playoffs. Like, this wasn't just a normal regular season game. This is yeah. the semifinals against the New York Knicks with like Starks, Ewing, Oakley, uh-huh. and I just don't know why. Like, and Kukoch hit a great shot, so- great shot there too. So like, yeah. gotta give him credit. But I mean. Phil Jackson, like, he just – he's got to have, like, a lot of confidence to make that move, to go to a rookie from Europe while you have Scotty Pippen, who's played, what, seven years for you then and already yeah. won three championships. Well, I think so, what was going through Phil Jackson's head here is because before that shot, he's hit, like, three or four buzzer beaters before that. Yeah, yeah, he hit a couple during the year, yeah. So he's like, oh, he's done this before. Maybe he could do it again. He's been very consistent. Let's put him in the spot. Yeah. Obviously, it paid off, but not for Pippen. And then just off topic here, like, I don't know how they could get rid of Phil Jackson. Like, Seriously, yeah. No, they didn't know that they were going to win that championship in 1997-98, but he already won five championships in, what, like, seven years or eight years? Yeah, somewhere like, I don't, I don't know how you could say, like, this guy, it's his last year when he's done yeah. so much for that franchise. 
Yeah, he's the best coach of all time or he's had, one of the top best of all time. I think he's he's coached 20, 20 seasons and he doesn't even have one losing season. That just goes to show like That's what he does crazy. with the talent on his team and how he wins games really. Yeah, that is truly that, crazy. I have one more um big point I want to get to. Yeah. How Michael Jordan can turn anything into motivation. Yes. So, first off, I think the now this doesn't really have to do with motivation, but when he goes, when his agent wanted him to basically have like a press release saying, "I'm coming back to basketball," yeah, and he wrote out a couple of copies. I think he said three or four copies, and then Michael Jordan wrote it down and just goes, "I'm back." Yeah, like that just that just shows how much confidence he has, and that that literally sums him up to a T because I don't think he wanted to like express like thank you to the Bulls for letting me come back and all that, but like he just had those two simple words. And that just meant so much to everyone that, like, the city of Chicago especially. Yeah. Just means, like, the icon of basketball is back. Uh-huh. Um, but I think one of the coolest things was the Bradford Smith, that game. Yeah. Where he went, what he dropped? He had, like, 37, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that was And it. then everyone – or I think that, that Sam Smith or something, that newspaper guy uh-huh. up in Chicago, came out with a thing saying that um, he said, nice game, Mike. Yeah. And – even though Michael Jordan made it up just to put it in his head. Like, yeah. I don't even know how you could do that. Like, imagine something, but have it so realistic in your head. Yeah, that, that like, was crazy. You go out there just to basically, like, shame him, basically. So, yeah, that was unbelievable. That, yeah. And then there's one more where, um, I think it was Nick Anderson, um, where he said 45 ain't 23. Yeah. Like that, you can't say that to MJ. Now, even though I think they beat them that series, the Magic, uh-huh. I think that was MJ's first year back. But like forty five, eight, twenty three, and then I think the next year the Bulls, I think beat them in the playoffs. I think, yeah, I'm not mistaken. But like, I think they said Michael Jordan probably um, circled that game on his calendar for probably those months leading up to it. Yeah, because you can't just say that to the goat. I mean, you're, you're just call- you're just calling for it to like come back and you really yeah no you're 100 right. do you have any more observations no i really don't i think we I covered most of it those those episodes were definitely very interesting because it showed the side like a little off from bas- basketball it was like more personal i think for michael yeah in my and opinion just... not those two are considerably like one of the best episodes that yeah i thought i thought like i thought showing how because everyone just looks at Michael as, like, a basketball player and everything, but, like, he's a true human being, too. Like, yeah. even just going back to the baseball side, like, he didn't want all the press around. He just wanted to be a baseball player, like, and just be with the guys, really. Yeah. He didn't want to have to deal with, like, all the press. I mean, even I saw they said yesterday, like, they couldn't send him down to, like, um, 1A or, like, bit like the small ball. Because oh, yeah, because – There's no, like, size for the press. Yeah. They don't have rooms that big or whatever. Yeah. So, like, that just shows – the guy going from basketball to baseball, like, yeah. that means something. But when it's the best player, it means a bunch more. And then when he starts working out with the Bulls a couple of times, people start getting, like, like skeptical. And then he finally comes back. And it's, like, I it was, the whole thing was so cool to watch, really. Like, there were just so many, yeah, like, cool parts through that whole story. Yeah. Where it's just, like, connecting the dots and path to a championship, really. Today, like, I all saw lead. on Instagram, right? It was LeBron mm-hmm. put on his um at, no it might have been Twitter actually, but he yeah. put on his Twitter that when he he said 
nine-year-old me was sobbing his eyes out. When yeah, he yeah, I face. saw that. Did you see that? Yeah, I did see that. I just, but that helped show what? how much of an impact he had on the game to the younger generation. Oh, yeah. Even that's that's Michael. That's all LeBron James saying it. Like the best player in our generation right now. Yeah, he's talking about like. Michael Jordan, the best player in his generation. Yeah. So that's, that was really cool to look at, too. There were just so many parts, like, that, like, were basically just, like, connected dots, uh-huh. and they all met to the same point. But it was, those those episodes were so good to watch. I thought they were just, like, they showed a different side of him, like I said, but it just showed that he was, like, a real person, not just, like, a robot, really, mm-hmm. to basketball. Even though he was so competitive on the court, he still was a normal, like, person, really. Normal, nice person. Oh, I actually have one more thing. Um, All right, yeah, let me hear. When he missed that one game winner against, mm-hmm. was it the Magic? Yeah, I'm pretty uh, sure it was Magic. Yeah, I, first I think it back. was, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I forget who said it, but he yeah, said so. um, when he missed it, everyone thought that, oh, my God, he's actually human. Like, he could, act, yeah. he could actually make a mistake at the end of a game, throw it out of bounds. Yeah, it was. Even the first game back, everybody had su- such high expectations, mm-hmm. and I think it was against the Pacers in Indiana, and he didn't really have a great game. He sh- he shot like seven for twenty eight, so obviously like twenty five percent, but he still had twenty points. And I think everybody was like, "Oh, he's back, but he's not back back." And then he just goes on to win after that year three championships in a row. Yeah. So that just goes to show like the this like the willpower he had to drive himself to more championships after he came back from retirement. Yeah. But uh, if you don't have any more observations, then we'll move to Shaq. Yeah, I'm pretty good on my observation of the last dance. Okay, so Shaquille O'Neal, obviously everyone knows him. Um, the Big Diesel, he's one of the best centers of all time. But I want to quote what he said the other day. Uh-huh. So Shaq quoted, I think we should scrap the season. Everybody go home, get healthy, come back next year. Just scrap the season, just scrap it. To try and come back now and do a rush playoffs as a player. And any team that wins this year, there's an asterisk. They're not going to get the respect. Well, I have a couple thoughts on that quote, but what do you think about Shaq saying that? I disagree with that, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I, I do I too. Think we I do too. The season because so the Warriors, right? Mm-hmm. They have the worst record, right? And they would never yeah. make it to the playoffs this year. So they mm-hmm. should be punished for that and not be able to win a championship next year. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. how to explain it. It's hard. But, like, the Lakers did amazing this year. And mm-hmm. he's saying just scrap it. What, what about the Lakers? They had an amazing year. They could have won the finals this mm-hmm. year. And that just takes away from yep. Le- LeBron winning another final. Like, I, yeah. And next year, the Warriors are going to be a powerhouse. So, like, it, it'll oh, basically they're be say good. that they're winning championships in a row, which they really didn't because they had that year. Well, this year where they were yeah. negative, which is – I can't even explain it. And now, for me, because actually today there was a proposal to start the MLB season in July. Yeah. They just got to, like, vote on it to get 50-50. So I think the NBA should almost, like, follow in those footsteps and establish a starting date, even though baseball is completely different than basketball. Yeah. But there's no just there's no reason to scrap the season yet because just think players, fans, and even, like, just everyone around, like, the world, really, like, they just want, like, they need hope and positivity right now during, like, this pandemic. Yeah. But, like, players aren't just, like, sitting around and not doing anything. Like, players are too smart to do that. Like, not – you know what I mean? Like, they're too smart to not just do yeah. that. So, like, they're they're probably – I bet you they're um, working out. I bet you they're getting up their shots and everything. So, like, they're ready 
for that return, but I think like scrapping the season on them would just be cruel. Like it's just not right to do. Yeah. Because they've worked so hard even through the season, and I mean ba- basketball's been done for two months, and I bet you all of them are have, have been working out for at least a month and a half. Yeah. Now. So they're definitely like putting in the work, and they're probably ready to play. I bet you they just need to get like team chemistry back together. Yeah. But no, I think there's we both a couple have the same view on this pretty much with Shaq's club. Yeah. I just don't think it's a smart – like, even – I know, like – well, it's different for him because he was a former player and he knows how it is compared to, like, us, us obviously. Yeah. But I don't think it, like – I think the players are itching to get back. So why take that away from them and have to wait until, like – because you don't even know if they're going to be able to play and, you know, like, when the season starts back up. Yeah. So why scratch this idea right now when you could actually get to the playoffs at some point? No, you're 100% but, right. Like, especially now, though. If they were to go back, I think team chemistry is the most important it's ever been. Yeah. Because the teams with the most chemistry right now are going to be basically far ahead of others that aren't. Especially because jazz it's so good. important. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Like, Rudy Gobert and that like that relationship with Mitchell, I know they said it's okay internally, like, on the court. But yeah. you just don't know. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen with that. Yeah, they're going to have a rough time. And then even this year in the playoffs, like obviously with chemistry and not being together for so long, the playoffs are not going to be like, you know, just like normal basketball that we've seen. It's going to be like park basketball. Like it's going to be like grinded out tough. Like I don't think it's going to be anything like the basketball we've seen just because people, the like the people or the players haven't been like playing the game in so long, really, like for a full game. Yeah. So it's definitely going to be different. It's going to be more, I think, a couple more, like, isolation-type plays, maybe more in the post. Just, like, a lot of one-on-one or, like, screen and roll. Like, just not many, like, plays and yeah. everything. No, I agree with you. So, overall, I think Shaq had – I didn't think that was a smart quote. I just – I disagree with it. I mean, that's his opinion. Yeah. But I just disagree with it. So, do you have any more thoughts on no, Shaq's I agree quote? with you with everything you said. All right. Um, Defensive player of the year. I'll I'll let you start off with that. There's a lot of people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of people. All right, before we start saying people, I love my my guy Pat Bev, like, a lot. Yeah. I don't know Mm -hmm. why he doesn't get realized a lot for this stuff. Yeah, I I feel you. Like, I understand you, too. But I think I have three guys, and they all, I think – or head and shoulders above Pat Bev's yeah. defensibility. I, not just because Pat Bev, like, don't get me wrong, he he guards people, like, very well. He plays great defense. Like, he locks up LeBron and, and a couple other guys so off the West. he hard, too. Yeah, but I think he gets a little less credit just because of his yeah. size. I mean, now he does work so hard, and he, he just plays great defense. He's scrappy. He gets a lot of steals, turnovers, rebounds, and everything. Yeah. But I think it's just because – these guys I'm about to bring up, they have such great size and athleticism yeah. where, like, Beverly is more of, like, a tough nose kind of grinded-out type of guy. Yeah. No, I agree But he definitely, he, he definitely doesn't get the credit he deserves because he's a hell of a defender. Yeah, he just doesn't have the height. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, My first guy, I, who I think is actually going to win Defensive Player of the Year, um, Giannis Antetokounmpo. So – Everyone knows that he's probably going to win MVP. So him, if he wins Defensive Player of the Year and MVP, he'd be the first since Hakeem Olajuwon and Michael Jordan did that. So that's 
definitely something to take yeah. note of. But why do you – would you think Giannis would be a defensive player of the year? Oh, yeah, at? 100%. He's just, like, so athletic mm-hmm. and long around the basket. Yeah. He's yeah. he's so athletic, dude. Just, like, mm-hmm. he's so lengthy. I mean, when you watch those games, like, there's times, like, um, say they're playing the Celtics, for example. Like, at one point, he might be on Kemba, and he won't have any problems yeah. with him. But then he might slide down to Tatum at the three and might not have any problems uh-huh. with him. Then even at center, I know the Celtic center is undersized, so that might not be a great example. But he could even guard the five spot in Tice. Yeah, he could guard any so spot like, they need him to. He, like, he just has such great size, speed, and length where, like, just guard any position. Uh-huh. He shuts down passing lanes because his arms are so long and he protects yeah. the rim This like for the same reasons. But the most interesting stat I have of him is that opposing players, when shooting, like, at the rim against him, they shoot 41.9%, which is the best in the league for Giannis, like, defensively. So, so like, that's just crazy to think because it basically, when they say around the rim, that's, like, a layup pretty yeah. much. And that's 40% in NBA, in the NBA. So, that's, like, unbelievable. But I do think he's probably going to be defensive player of the year. But there's a couple other candidates who might. But I do think he'll win. Yeah, so I agree with you on that. Who's your next candidate? Um, I'm going to say my boy Anthony Davis on the Lakers. Yeah, also, just as big as um, Giannis, he's mm-hmm. – man, he's lengthy too. All these people on this list are just like yeah. super lengthy around the rim. Yeah, yeah, you're um, right. He averages two blocks a game, which is very well – very good for his yeah, size. Yeah, like – yeah, even his like those two too, blocks a like, game. That's crazy. Yeah, and that's for his whole career. Uh-huh. So, like, just think about all this. Like, by the end of his career, if he's on this path, like, think about all the blocks and steals he'll have for a guy for a power forward. Like, just steals yeah. in general. Like, you don't see power forwards no, you a never steal do. per game. Like, that's just unbelievable. Yeah. But um, he's been he's been a candidate for this award in the past. Um, before he got to the Lakers, like, last year, I mean, obviously LeBron got hurt, but they were just terrible defensively. Yeah. But he he transformed the Lakers into one of the top defenses in the league. Um, like you said, he can guard power forward or center probably, maybe even the three. That's a stretch, but he definitely could yeah. because his length makes up mm-hmm. for it if he's behind. So, But his size, like when he guards players on the wing, even if he does have to switch on to like a shooting guard yeah. or something, his size makes like the wings just makes them on the wing like so hard to score because if they try and get to the basket, he's from behind blocking yeah. them. But if they try to shoot over him, he could definitely just go up and swat him. So it, he's definitely, like, a really good candidate yeah. for a defensive player of the year. But I, I think Giannis has, too, like, too good of a resume, especially with how he's done this year as a team, too, yeah. and the stats uh-huh. he has. But Anthony Davis, like, he's one of the best, too, because he's done so much for them. Yeah, he, he completely, like, changed the Lakers this year. Mm-hmm. And in fact, he's been on all defensive teams in the past. Like I think he made first team all defense like once or twice, and second team all defense once or oh, twice. Nice. So he's definitely like shown that he's a very good defensive yeah, player. 100%. Obviously. Um, who's your next candidate? Yeah, it's your turn, man. You go. Want to hear you? Okay, you yeah, want me to go? Hear you go. All right. Well, mine's Ben Simmons. <laughs> uh, so I watched the Sixers pretty much every game. I don't really miss any. And when you watch this guy play defense, it's like watching Giannis. It really is. I mean, he ha- he can legitimately play like any position. He can go from the one to the five just because he's 6'11 and he's 
really he's really fast. He's got great length and he's very athletic. Yeah. Um, there's just like times where you've seen him like you don't even know how he makes these steals. Cause, like I said, I watch every game and I've seen plays that I've never seen in my life that he made. Yeah, but obviously I'm not going to get into his offensive game, but because we're talking about defense. <laughs> so, um, I have one stat here where I think's like one of the most beneficial stats for his can- candidacy. Um, for in three games, Ben Simmons, when guarding these players, he held Jimmy Butler to eight points off, the, and they all shot three of twelve. So Jimmy Butler eight points in three games when he was guarded by yeah. Simmons. Jason Tatum eleven points in three games when guarded by seven, Simmons, and Pascal Siakam seven points in three games when guarded by yeah. Simmons. And then, uh, what was the other one? Shy Gilgis Alexander had 10 points in two games against them. So I just think they all shot three of 12. So I think Simmons just, those stats show a lot yeah. about what he's done. Like, because right now he's the number one defender on the Sixers because MB is just a guy inside to play defense. But Simmons just does so much for that team, for the Sixers. But so what do you think about Ben Simmons and Defensive Player of the Year candidate? No, you pretty much explained it. I can't even complain with you on this because then you'll hit me with some hard stats that I don't even know exist yeah I, I don't know I don't know I have a couple stats but that's that's really <laughs> yeah it. I mean um so what about my boy Rudy Gobert Mr. Coronavirus Rudy himself? Gobert that's I mean he's I mean they call him was it the Eiffel Tower I think something yeah like something that. like that um obviously he's from France France yeah. so I think he's he's one of the best. I think he's the best rim protector probably in the yeah. NBA. Um, I think he won Defensive Player of the Year what last year or two years ago. Uh, he's two time actually. Two time. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So two times. Two time reigning Defensive so, Player of the Year. Yeah. So that's like that just shows he's definitely the best rim protector in the NBA. Um, he could probably even guard a four, four, or yeah. five. Um. I mean, he just does so much inside. I mean, you've seen the blocks. Like, he and he just gets tons of rebounds, yeah. too, defensively. His, he averages so, 10.6 defensive rebounds per game. Yeah, that that's a lot. That's that's yeah. a ton. I mean, that just shows how – even on the even on the um, Jazz, too, just for him, because that team, they're not that big either. Yeah. I mean, they have, obviously, Mitchell, um, Bogdanovich. And I think Bogdanovich is either three or four. So, like – that just shows how they're not very big, and they rely on him so much to do all that dirty work inside, and he no, does it. 100% clear. But just to point out Ben Simmons, too, <laughs> he led the league in steals this year with 2.1 yeah. per game. He ranks third in deflections, and he's sec- second in loose balls recovered. So every time he gets a steal, because he's, he's up there with De'Aaron Fox and John Wall for like – and probably Westbrook, too, like for one of the fastest players in the yeah. NBA. I am yeah wait yeah I think I reached on all those guys but they're like you'll see when he steals the ball or just gets a deflection like he'll just go a length of the court and like three dribbles and just like dunk yeah. it I mean there's even Yas does that too like they all just they're so long and they just take a couple of dribbles and they're like above the rim already and they're just about yeah. to dunk it all right so I'll let you start our next point um so the last point we have is about the Vegas conspiracy theory about the playoffs mm-hmm. um in yeah. my opinion i don't know if i like this because it would just yeah. be really tough on the players just like mm-hmm. with family cases you know what i mean like i get yeah, i get the I home think... court advantage stuff is fair everything is fair 
But, like, mm-hmm. it's just so mm-hmm. tough on a player to do that, like, be away from their family from that long. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, so they'd have to reach a 50-50 vote for that to actually happen. Yeah. But I just think, like, I don't think players are going to want to do that. To Like, even if they, like, do that, what are they going to do, like, when the season's over? Like, are they just going to go straight back to their family? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Or are they going to have to, like, quarantine somewhere for, like, two oh, weeks I didn't or think whatever? About that. So there's, there's a lot of, like, ifs involved. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's a smart decision. I mean, one location definitely makes it a better plan. Yeah. But, I mean, NBA teams already on Friday, the Cavaliers and the uh, Trailblazers, they open their practice facilities, even though there's, like, a ton of, like, hygiene checks and, like, sanitation and, like, all that stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's – right now, it's too tough to call – like, to basically call if they're going to, you know, have a season or, like, if they're going to – where they're going to play. So, there's a lot of, like, just ideas floating around. There's a bunch of – Like you said, there's a ton (laughs) – yeah, there's a ton of scenarios. Like, if – who knows if they're even going to have the season – and, like, if they have the season, when the next season yeah. will start. So, I don't even know, like, if what Shaq said, what might be true, because they might just scratch this season and hopefully start the regular season next year mm-hmm. in the end of October. But there's a ton of ton of ideas. Yeah. And I think, like, even Disney World, they were saying Orlando, which I don't know. I mean, it's the same thing no matter where it is. There's the same risk. Yeah. I mean, even though I don't know if Florida is one of the least go ahead. right now. Like one of the least yeah. um, coronavirus, mm-hmm. what, the, however yeah. you want to say it's it. Just, mm-hmm, yeah. But playing basketball too, like everyone's touching the same yeah. ball. And there's just so many like, you know, people like, I don't know, sometimes people like lick their hand and put it on their mm-hmm. shoe. And that's without even thinking. Like I know in Korea for the baseball, yeah. um, they literally have a rule for no spitting. Mm-hmm. So, like, no spitting. And, like, you know how baseball players, they always spit, really. Like, spit out seeds or whatever. That's crazy. Like, they just – they can't even spit. So, like, I think that's really interesting, too, because what if, like, NBA players, I, I mean, sometimes they lick their shoes or, like, you know yeah. what I mean, like, to get them sticky. And then it's just, like, what if they can't do that? I mean, it's not a big deal, but it's something to look into because one person does that, like, by instinct, and then it's all over the ball. Yeah. Even if they were to go to one spot like Vegas or Disney or Orlando, I yeah. should say, like players were already in California, Massachusetts, St. Louis, Philadelphia, Texas, all Utah, around. like all different locations going to one uh-huh. spot. And even though, like, and who knows too, because you don't know if they're just going to do like 15 guys, just essential personnel, or if they're going to do like developmental coaches, head coach, assistant coach, yeah. trainers. Like, you just don't know. It's too big of a yeah. risk. They're just there's too many ifs, too yeah. many ifs. That's yeah, yeah. There's way too many. What that, ifs. That's yeah. It well, it all depends too. It, like, I think if Florida has a couple of days where they have zero cases, which I doubt will happen, yeah. then the NBA can start seriously thinking like maybe hey, like Florida, they had zero cases. What if we all go down to Orlando and start trying to get a season back together? Yeah. If that happens, then they might have a chance to you know, maybe resume the season. But I just – I don't know because it all depends on the state cases, yeah. really. But that's all I have. Yeah, that's that's it, man. Pretty sure that's it. Okay, so that's After the Buzzer, Episode 3. Um, make sure to check out my podcast, Pagula's Pod, on Anchor, too. But uh, After the Buzzer, Episode 4 will be coming up soon this week. 
Um, that's all I have to say. What about yeah, you? Yeah, that's Eli? it, man. We got to figure out something to talk about. There's not a lot to talk about because of the stupid quarantine. No, just, I know. Everything's kind of like, hopefully there's some more interesting quotes out there. People say some dumb stuff you could talk Obviously about. Obviously, the last dance, the last episodes are coming up Sunday, so that'll be something to talk about. Yeah. Nine and ten at nine on Sunday. Yeah. So that's that. I hope, hopefully, I don't know. What are those going to be about, really? Probably like the conclusion of his career, yeah. right? About about that drama in 1998, pretty much. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like funny because, like, in the first episodes one and two, they kind of focused on, like, I think they focused on um, his last year, yeah. like the last dance, a lot, a lot. And then basically, I think these last episodes are going to focus on it a lot. And then the ones in between. Yeah focus on his journey uh-huh. to it so i think it's i think these I, I think these two episodes are gonna be really good coming up and i'm yeah, excited same. for them so that's all i have to say so i'm saying peace out yep. see you, everyone see you on episode four of bye. after the buzzer thanks for listening yep. bye